So hello, Richard. Richard Betts from KPMG. Really nice to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Many thanks, uh, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Good, good. So I'm going to kick off with the, the first sort of comment rather than a question. And uh, it's a source of frustration to a lot of people that if you look at the raw facts, if you look at what the data is telling us, you look at the scientists uh, and what they're telling us, the research papers and so on, we are most definitely in serious trouble. And yet we still seem to be accelerating uh, destruction of ecosystems right across the globe. And I think a lot of people don't get it. Why, why are we, as in people, corporations, governments, institutions, communities, why are, not, why are we not reacting as we know we need to? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's a really important question. Um, well, and I am an optimist. I think it's um, uh, you know it's uh, you know it's good being an optimist working in sustainability, uh, really. But uh, I mean, obviously, there's no doubt that we are facing uh, several unprecedented global crises. You know, crises that are unprecedented in, in human history, um, such as the the climate crisis, the the, the biodiversity crisis. Um, so that's um, that's clear. Um, but I, but I, but um, you know, I, I think um, the crises that we're facing now are sort of unique in in human history, really, because uh, um, you know, in the past, um, in, you know, in, in in the past, we were we were we were sort of facing more sort of local uh, issues, and um, you know, I, I think one point is that um, you know, as humans. We're genetically hardwired to sort of um, to deal with uh, dangers, risks that are right in front of our eyes. Um, and you know, in the past, in the dim and distant past, this would have been, you know, differentiated for our ancestors being able to focus on the ferocious beast that was about to uh, devour them. You know, being able to just sort of concentrate on the very short term. Um, sort of risk right in front of their eyes was clearly an advantage. Um, but but now most of the top risks um, facing us are very different. Um, you know, we live in a, uh, we, we have a globalised economy. Um, we live in a highly interconnected planetary system. Um, and uh, the top risks facing us now are systemic risks, such as the climate crisis. So I think this is one, this is one point that we're basically, you know, Genetically, we're we're short termists. I think I, th I think right. this is this is one point, yeah, and that's why it's difficult for us to respond um, to these new kind of risks um, because we tend to still focus on the short term. We tend to still look at things that are right in front of us that we can see, and you know, with climate change, we can't really see it. A bit like COVID, we can't we, we can't see the COVID virus, and uh, we can't really see climate change. We can see. The manifestations of climate change in many different parts of the world in one one area it's mainly droughts in another area it's um record forest fires etc 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 um and i think um you know we haven't been joining the dots very well um between all these different sort of manifestations of of, of climate change uh, in different parts of the world you know so often um the focus is on how there's been a record flood or how there's been a um, a record wildfire but we're not really connecting all the dots in, t in terms of the underlying issue. 
Yeah. And and are you are you seeing that mirrored in the thought processes thought processes of, for example, government and institutions where their their planning, their reaction is very short term rather than a long term view of some of these uh, challenges we're facing? Well, I, I think our whole uh, economy and culture, you know, has been sort of based on on you know mainly sort of uh, you know, like short term. Uh, thinking. Um, so in the, in the case of uh, government, you know, governments will always be thinking about the election cycle, uh, sort of how they have elections every four to five years, and, and that will be a major uh, consideration in, in, you know, in, in terms of their, their planning and companies have their, um, their, their short term, sort of quarterly annual targets to meet, etc, etc, etc. You know, employees will be thinking about how they're going to pay their next bill. Um, so for all of us, whenever the stakeholder group, this sort of uh, the short term thinking is is really ingrained and, you know, with sustainability, um, really sustainability asks us to take um, um, to adopt a new paradigm. Um, and to not to no longer focus only on the, the very short term uh, impacts and uh, and only the direct financial implications and only um, on a few stakeholder groups such as investors and the company but to look at the whole system because as we said these are systems issues and mm. um, so we need to look not just at the very short term but we also need to look at the longer term impacts and, and not just certain stakeholder groups but we need to look at all of the stakeholder groups also you know communities employees customers um, society at large future generations um, and not just the, the direct financial implications but also you know the so-called sort of um, you know the externalities the indirect um, financial economic social um, uh, impacts and costs um, so it, 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 you know it requires a new paradigm uh, you know a, a systems-based uh, approach and, and that's not what most of our sort of economy and culture has, has, uh, has been set up for um, and, and as a result I feel that's often why at the moment we're not making the best decisions because we're only looking at one small part of a much bigger picture. Yeah, I think that's one of one of the, the issues that a lot of people find very challenging is you can't look at any of the uh, challenges, for example, climate change. You can't look at it in isolation. And I think that's yeah. where a lot of people kind of get derailed in their thinking is yeah. You've got to look at the whole and it's complex and there are many facets to it and many stakeholders with different agendas. So uh, your job must involve a large number of interactions of very different types with very disparate groups of people. So I've got to ask you, sustainability director or director of sustainability, this is a very new title. Um, it, you know, it's not something we're used to seeing five, ten years ago. So tell me, what, what, what exactly is the role of a sustainability director? What, what are the headline deliverables? Um, sure. So, um, so that's what, so I'm sustainability director for KPMG based in Istanbul. Um, that means, so I'm in charge of our sustainability services uh, in Turkey from a commercial and technical uh, perspective. Um, I also act as a senior sort of regional expert, um, so I work closely with uh, clients and teams in in uh, other countries in Europe and Asia. So I, now I've had a lot of international experience. I've led sustainability projects in about twenty five countries, 
Um, then I'm in charge of our internal um, initiatives uh, here in Turkey um, and also um, you know, really actively involved with our with our global work. So I, I have responsibilities both uh, on, on the client facing side for uh, um, you know, identifying um, new opportunities, new projects, securing those and then overseeing uh, you know, successful delivery um, of those projects. And then also on the other side, in terms of our our own uh, um, sustainability initiatives, you know, with, with their development and, and implementation. Okay, so it, it's quite a holistic role by the sound of it, and and obviously there's a cost to all of these things. So the initiative to support sustainability sustainability programs with KPMG must be sponsored from a board level uh, perspective. What what's the return? What's in this for KPMG? Why why are you doing it? Um, well, we see it as um, you know critically important um, uh, to our business, um, and and indeed you know last year, um, last summer, um, in, and in the middle of uh, the global pandemic, we launched our new global um, plan called Impact. It's all about sort of. Uh, um, you know, how, how we as KPMG can create a purposeful growth um, for our organization and also for our um, for our clients. Um, and, you, you know, we, we see we see that as our, our as our growth strategy. Um, um, and, and uh, you know, many of our clients now um, and we, we tend to work with sort of, you know, large um, sort of international companies until recently they've been Many of the ones that most engaged around sustainability, um, you know, for many companies, it's no longer seen as a nice to have. There's this growing realization that uh, um, that this is sort of core business. Um, that this is sort of you know business critical. Yeah, there's a there's a definite shift that you're yeah. seeing with a lot of big corporates. Um, we're very used to seeing the CSR messaging, mm-hmm. but we're now seeing a different tonality to the conversation, uh, much broader. Yeah, that, that's right. So, you know, we've seen it move from, you know, the fringes of many organisations, um, you know, for many organisations until quite recently, um, it was something that was being dealt with uh, in a small sort of team uh, in, a, in a company. And, uh, you know, many people in the rest of the organisation had sort of limited visibility as to what that, team was doing um, but over, over the last um, um, few years we've seen this um, yeah this growing sort of awareness then um, with many companies you know sustainability issues such as climate change you know firmly on um, sort of the c-suite agenda for, for many for many companies so it's making it a lot more strategic that's also sort of obviously an area where companies like ours tend to sort of uh, have very good connections and then we see um, um, sustainability being uh, sort of integrated, um, you know, across organisations into the sort of core strategy, into the core operations uh, of, of businesses. Um, so that then sort of uh, creates a lot of, uh, you know, work for, for companies like ours in terms of, um, you know, strategy, implementation, risk management, performance improvement uh, type projects. Interesting. So I, I saw for the first time last week an article that expressed that uh sustainability or sustainability programs make 
for a better valuation in terms of stock values. So we're now seeing that as being one of the, if you like, measurement components of assessing whether or not a stock is a good investment. And that's to me seems to run a little bit contrary to what I always cheekily refer to as the heroine of of dividends. So in your experience today, are you seeing shareholders step up to be the plate and be willing to perhaps um, sacrifice a certain dividend value towards sustainability or are you seeing a lot of resistance from shareholders? Well, I think there's clearly a spectrum um, as, as, as with anything, but um, uh, you know, there is now huge uh, uh, demand for, for much more um, ESG sustainability data uh, from investors. So the investors are one of the um, stakeholder groups that are sort of, um, you know, the most focused uh, on these issues. And, and, and we've seen a diversification in the last few years, um, you know, until quite recently, um, you know, m- much of the pressure uh, was coming from other stakeholder groups, less investors, you know, you could say like NGOs, for example, and some other um, areas. Um, but we've seen a diversification. And so we've seen how, you know, very large uh, institutional investors, which, you know, until quite recently, um, were not as focused on this area, now are very focused uh, uh, yeah. on this area. And so we've, we've, we've seen this sort of this big uh, diversification, a lot of investor demand, um, you know, investors um, have sort of um, made the connection between how issues such as climate change, now climate risk is financial risk. Um, and so, you know, maybe in, in the early years, there were other considerations when people were thinking about sort of focusing on, on the ethics and on sort of, you know, um, yes, you know, moral sort of um, uh, questions. And, and obviously they're all very important, but we've seen this diversification where basically now many investors, many, um, many, many sort of uh, stakeholders are, are making that connection that uh, this is, this is financial risk. There's a big risk around uh, sort of stranded assets. Um, um, and so to secure long-term value, long-term sustainability, profitability, um, then clearly there's a need to invest in, you know, companies with a, with a plan for the, for tackling the, the future, you know, the, the issues that we're, we're, um, we're the critical issues that we're, that we're now facing. So it, it, from what you're saying, it sounds like people, stakeholders are starting to realise that doing good is good business. Yes. Excellent. Yes. Maybe yes. we are growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So many, many. That's right. We're, we're seeing this, uh, you know, this big, um, this, this big shift. So that's, uh, you know, I've been uh, um, working heavily in this area for the last uh, 10, 11 years. So I'm. Um, I am sort of excited by by the sort of increased uh, uh, momentum now. I mean, when I first moved into this area, it was much more of a niche area, and um, it wasn't on the sort of the uh, you know it wasn't on the sort of uh, the radar of of many boards, um, but now it is. Um, so it's great to see the momentum. But obviously, when we look at it from the other perspective, what the science is telling us, um, we can see that uh, even though there's a lot of momentum. Um, and many initiatives. Still, there's a very big gap between where we currently are and and, yeah. and and what the science is telling us we need to do and where we need to be. Yeah, I d- definitely agree. So, um, looking at your your CV, your your 
resume that you very kindly provided, um, it does sort of echo one of the challenges that I think exists with all of this, and that is that a lot of the terminology has become very confusing for the layman. Um, so things like circular economy, uh, TCFD, ESG, risk, natural capital, SROI, et cetera, et cetera. So we're doing what we always do. We're creating these fantastic programs, but giving them three or four letter acronyms, which is sort of confusing the hell out of anybody, everybody. And um, yeah. what, what, why, why is there the need to do that? Why, why are we not using more sort of natural language to explain these programs so that the man in the street, the woman in the street can dial into them more readily? Well, here's a really good question. Um, yeah, um, and it's certainly true that in in the area of sustainability, yes, there certainly is a lot of uh, there is a there, we do have a lot. There are a lot of acronyms, and there are. I mean, people talk about the um, the um, you know, and then we have like a smorgasbord of different sort of standards and, and guidelines. There are there are hundreds of different sustainability standards, guidelines, which also add a lot of, lot of complexity. Maybe one issue, maybe one issue here, though, is that, um, you know, until quite recently, um, many, most of, probably most of the people working in the sustainability area were people who'd studied sustainability or topics connected to sustainability at, at university, so had that sort of, you know, that technical background. Um, then more recently, we've seen it moving to um, sort of the C-suite in a lot of organizations. Um, so now it's on now it's on the, the radar of top management in a lot of companies. Um, but but in many cases, the missing piece has been uh, um, connecting with you know the, the rest of rest of an organization sort of with a much wider um, stakeholder group. So basically many of these initiatives have been um, sort of devised and uh, spearheaded by sustainability sort of specialists um, and sort of you know senior management and not by and there hasn't been the sort of the inclusion of other stakeholder groups so the man on the street uh, if you will so that that really can be uh, and I think that's important because when, when also when we, when we think of uh, sustainability issues you know there have been many studies that look at sort of uh, um, you know the um, the injustice, sort of, you know, there's issues around sort of social justice, climate justice, how um, marginal groups are at, um, um, you know, a higher risk than the rest of the population. Mm. Um, you know, in terms of uh, obviously in developing countries, also in even in developed countries, in terms of you know, sort of marginal communities. So they're the ones that are at the highest risk um, of climate change. Mm. Uh, for example, but at the moment they're not they're not very well represented in the sort of um, in the development of these sort of these initiatives because it's being sort of uh, largely led by people that are you know from quite quite uh, privileged privileged backgrounds. People yes. that sort of um, you know studied uh, uh, were able to study at sort of you know good universities um, and are working as um, sort of you know technical and 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 uh, at senior management levels in, in big organizations and and uh, so I, I think that's that's that is an important point that needs addressing to be honest because uh, uh, as I said earlier these are systemic issues and to have any chance uh, to address them we need to sort of you know we need to sort of be 
uh, including all of the different um, stakeholder yeah. groups. And at the moment, we're not doing that very well. Yeah, no, it's an excellent point. And I think inclusion is, is a big key uh, factor with all of these programmes because the, the impact of a lot of what we're trying to do uh, is, is all about affecting those communities that don't have that intellectual background necessarily. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. But when you look at people that are, let's say, um, stuck within a regime of poverty, something like, um, I don't know, the TCFD standards wouldn't really relate to them. And, and that's one of the reasons why I, I'm really fond of the United Nations SDGs, because <laughs> they're, to me, again, no disrespect intended, they are in real language. For example, SDG number one, no poverty. Mm -hmm. you know, something people can understand instantly. Yeah. Um, is it, what, what's your view on the way that the UN has approached the SDG framework? Um, well, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great initiative. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously it, it built on the, the, uh, on the Millennium Development Goals. Um, and, and um, no, I mean, as with it, Obviously, it's um, so. It, 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 yeah, it's sort of uh, built on the Millennium Development Goals. Um, it's it, it is um, extremely popular uh, with companies um, sort of globally, obviously countries as well. Um, it's uh, it's an area that we work in a lot. Um, I, I think it's been important because uh, um, often companies have had this frustration that um, you know even sort of large companies that have that have felt they've been doing a lot around sustainability. Um, they've often felt they haven't been able to um, sort of communicate sort of uh, or there's been this sort of uh, this yeah they haven't been able to communicate very well with their, their with their sort of uh, stakeholders in that companies will say oh, you know we've, we've done all these things but most of our customers most of our employees most of our stakeholders don't know what we've done right uh, and so I think there was this point around uh, um, you know companies feeling that they'd they were doing a lot, had done a lot, and but most stakeholders being unaware as to what they'd done or, or why they'd done what they'd done or the importance of what they'd done. So, you know, the Sustainable Development Goals then give a, you know, a universal framework um, to show, you know, here are 17 goals that all of the countries around the world have agreed on as being the global uh, priorities. Um, so that then gives a brilliant framework um, for countries and companies everywhere to show sort of the relevance um, of what they're doing um, yeah. to sort of you know make those connections to show to their stakeholders how they're contributing to these great you know challenges that we're all facing um, so I think that's you know that's 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 um, that, that's a key point and I still think but I, but I also think we're still uh, it's still early days um, in terms of the implementation of the sustainable development goals um, you know, a lot of companies approach it as like a reporting sort of disclosure sort of uh, procedure where they'll start preparing their report and then they'll sort of uh, look at the sustainable development goals and they'll look to sort of uh, make connections between what they do and what the SDGs are. Mm. And that's very reactive. Um, mm. There's a lot of um, strategic potential in the SDGs. Just you know, to sort of uh, um, embed those into the planning, 
So when a company is looking at um, developing new initiatives, it can look at the SDGs and it can look at how it can maximise its impact um, you know, across the SDGs, you know, to, to have the biggest um, sort of uh, the biggest impact to create the most shared value um, for its stakeholders. And, and that's not always happening at the moment. So there's there's, a, there's sort of a lot of untapped potential there, I'd say. OK. Um, so for the benefit of the listeners and indeed for myself, can you can you describe a well, let, let's say describe your your project at KPMG you're most proud of that you felt delivered the most impact? Yeah, so um, uh, well, we have well, there are initiatives at the personal level, and then, then there, are, there are initiatives at the uh, you know the sort of uh, the, at our global level. Um, I'll, I'll give an example of both. Then um, I said last summer we launched our our new global plan impact, and we're trying to get all of our firm behind this new new plan to launch uh, to to leverage our our. Uh, collective expertise um, around the top issues facing us all, such as climate change. Um, so one thing that we, we did in, in the autumn is that we uh, um, we communicated, we, we launched our new global climate strategy um, and we committed to being a net zero organisation for our global firm and our supply chain uh, by 2030. Um, so that's, that's an example of what we've recently done at the global level. Um, an individual level, as I said, I have responsibilities both on the, the client-facing side and on the internal side. Um, so I started our um, Climate Warrior Network uh, at KPMG, um, and we've been um, uh, holding activities to raise uh, awareness and funds for uh, for charities tackling the climate and biodiversity crises. Um, we've been supporting Rainforest Trust a lot. Um, and uh, through the activities that we've uh, uh, held over the last year, we've uh, we've raised enough now to secure protection for about um, about thirteen thousand hectares of of rainforest, and to lock in about sort of two and a half million uh, tons of carbon. Um, so that would be an example of the of the personal level. Fantastic. So that, that brings me on to my, my sort of last question. Uh, and again, quite cheekily, uh, my personal opinion, and I think it's shared by a lot of people, is that governments around the world, including our own government, are failing us. Uh, they're not really stepping up to support the SDGs and other programmes. Uh, we're not seeing legislation coming forward through the UN and other uh, bodies that have a, a global reach to support what we know we need to do. And you know, to a lot of people, including myself, it's not acceptable. What what would your message be to those people in power? I mean, I, I think we all want to see uh, sort of rapid change. Um, I, I think um, when it comes to climate change, when it comes to many of the top issues facing us, as, as I said, they're systemic issues, and, and what that means is um, no one um, stakeholder, no one country, company, any other stakeholder. Um, can solve any of these issues in isolation. So it really calls for um, working together. Um, these are systemic issues. We need all of the, um, the all of the actors in the system working together. So we need to build a, 
consensus here. Um, obviously, governments um, are an extremely important um, stakeholder, um, but I think you know governments. Um, obviously, you know, as, as anyone, they like they want to be popular and they want to stay in power, and um, and so you know they'll be influenced by by what they see as um, the preferences for their voters, and and I think um, you know in many countries until quite recently. Um, climate change, much less many of the other issues like biodiversity. I mean, not many people were talking about biodiversity issues. So until quite recently, these issues were not the top concerns for voters. Um, it's changing now in, in many countries, such as the UK, um, but it's still it's quite recent. Um, but I, so basically, I think you know governments will um, um, will commit to being more ambitious when they see it being important to their voters. Um, and and I think you know in, in the last couple of years we're we're seeing a, a lot more um, uh, sort of demand for change from voters in the UK and from across the political spectrum, and we're seeing um, parties of all political colours sort of coming out with more ambitious uh, commitments. So I think that that sort of that, that shows the interaction between these different stakeholder groups. Governments, yes, they clearly they're 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 very important, but also you know we as citizens vote. You know clearly we have a, a lot of responsibilities uh, uh, to play here. Uh, I mean you know one example could be just yesterday in Switzerland. Um, so the, the Swiss government um, had uh, developed um, its uh, climate change plan to reach uh, um, sort of you know to achieve the Paris Agreement, and it was it was put to referendum uh, in Switzerland. And uh, the Swiss people marginally rejected it. Fifty-one percent of uh, voters rejected the government's uh, uh, climate plan. Um, so it, it kind of shows how governments, obviously, they're important, but they have to be able to take the people with them. Um, so that's you know we saw it in France as, as well with the, you know the gilets jaunes, um, you know the yellow vest uh, protesters. Clearly, there were a lot of different sort of. Um, issues there but one of them was was people sort of protesting at the hike in in uh, in, in fuel uh, prices and obviously the french government was planning to sort of do that to sort of move people away from the sort of uh, vehicles with, with higher emissions but they but they didn't have the people on board and then there was a big sort of uh, reaction against that so it, it kind of shows how obviously governments are important voters are very important as well um as are other stakeholder groups, as are the media, uh, for example. So you could say in a lot of countries, how how much is the media talking about climate change? Um, certain newspapers are, but not all. Or and and clearly, um, you know, a lot of newspapers have tended to sort of focus on you know the very sort of short term, you know, sensationalist issues. Probably talking about climate change, a problem that's going to sort of talking about something that, that may happen in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time, <laughs> that doesn't sort of fit in that model. Um, and hence, uh, you know, there hasn't been this sort of uh, awareness um, about sort of why these issues are, are really, uh, really important. So I think clearly we need we need all of these groups working together. We need to build this consensus. So I, I think, again, you know, governments will be more ambitious when they see the, vote, the voters uh, demanding change. Businesses will be more ambitious when they see their customers demanding change. Um, voters and customers will be more ambitious when they have more information, when the media gives them better information, when there are better documentaries on these topics. Um, mm. So it's all kind of interconnected. And that's the point, isn't it? That climate change is, a, um, you know, we live in a highly interconnected uh, planetary system. 
Um, and uh, so, you know, to drive, you know, surely the solution to a systemic issue like climate change has to be we have to uh, we have to build a consensus. We need to work together with these different um, with yeah. these different stakeholder groups. Yeah. Uh, that's a great answer to a very complex question. I, I guess the only issue I would take about take up if I had more time is that I think a lot of us look to our governments not just to uh, agree with us and collaborate with us, but also to lead when leadership is required. And I think that's probably the bit for me that's missing. You know, I understand that they want the support of the voters and so on, but every so often people have to be led. And I think that's an interesting, maybe with politics, they need to realise that doing good is good politics as well as doing good being good business. Yes. Yes. I mean, so I, I um, yes, I mean, clearly, clearly there are some things that are very worrying in this area when we look around the world and sort of, uh, um, you know, at the political response. But I say there are a lot of good things that are happening, starting to happen. Um, you know, you know, at least in the UK, we can say that all of the main political parties are sort of committed to, um, you know, the climate agenda. That's not the case in in at present in all countries around the world. So, sure, you know, I think a lot is is starting to happen. And maybe one last uh, comment on that would be, maybe also the answer to this depends where a person sits on the sort of you know political spectrum in terms of to what extent a person believes that you know the response should be sort of state-led or to what extent a person believes that the response should be sort of uh, private sector-led you know yeah. when we think of how we got into this problem when we think of like the start of the industrial revolution I mean there you could say that at the beginning there were some better technologies which sort of um, were developed in sort of the Manchester area um, and because they were better, then they sort of spread out to, uh, you know, across the UK, to Europe, to America, um, to the, the empire as it was then. Um, but without sort of at the beginning, there wasn't sort of there wasn't sort of the strong, you know, governmental um, support. So maybe, you know, that can also show how things can change. Like with electric vehicles recently with Tesla, um, because because the technologies were better. We've seen sort of electric vehicles starting to sort of, uh, um, you know, establish a sort of a foothold in many markets, and then we're seeing more sort of regulations coming at a secondary point. So maybe people can have different views on that: whether government should lead or whether they should sort of, you know, then be responsible for sort of driving the, the, you know, the sort of the helping to sort of make things mainstream after the initial um, breakthroughs, if that makes sense. Yeah, very interesting. So, Richard, I've got to say, I have tried so hard to get you to be negative and you've resisted it amazingly. Um, <laughs> you're a very positive, optimistic chap, and I can see why you're now making such a difference at KPMG. I really appreciate your commentary. Just one last thing I'd ask you to do. We've talked about uh, the electorate, about people um, without really covering them in detail. So do me a favour, just what one thing would you say to listeners as individuals, as voters, as families, as, uh, as people? What one message would you give them? Thanks. Well, I do try and be positive. And it actually, it, it, there was a, a famous book written um, around World War II, actually, by uh, 
um, Victor Frankl, he was a survivor of the Auschwitz. Um, he, you know, he spent a lot of years in Auschwitz and uh, it was all about sort of, um, uh, you know, the quest for meaning in life. And he, the, the point he basically made is that, you know, we can choose our response to a situation. Um, and so he, he sort of managed to get through Auschwitz by choosing not to sort of give in to, you know, the, the difficulties around him. Uh, and obviously, you know, we're, we're not in, we're not in, I'm not, we're not in Ashley, but I think the point is that we can choose how we respond uh, to the climate crisis and to these other crises. There's a lot of doomism and defeatism um, and sort of uh, inactivism um, around there. But I, but personally, I think uh, we can achieve a lot more by channeling our, our energy into working on the solutions, you know, because at the end of the day, being defeatist and doomist isn't going to sort of achieve anything. Mm. Um, there's, there can be a lot of inertia, people believing that uh, it's irrelevant what they do because there are 8 billion people in the world. Um, but turning that around, we can we can say, well, when a billion people drive a, a, you know, a petrol or diesel car, that has a big impact. Mm. When hundreds of millions of people use an aeroplane, et cetera, et cetera, that has a big impact. So mm. actually, you see, if we turn it around, if we look at how this problem has arisen, we can see that actually by working together, um, focusing on the solutions, actually we can have a really big impact. So I, I think we should be focusing on 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 sort of uh, on on contributing to to the solutions. Yeah, it's a great message. Everyone can make a difference just by doing a few simple things. I couldn't agree with you more. Right, Richard, thank you very much indeed. It's amazing how quickly that's that time has gone. It's been really fascinating. Um, and I think a wonderful insight into not only what you're doing, but also what KPMG is doing as a as a business, which is obviously revolutionary. It sounds like it's having a huge impact, which is wonderful. And I think it's really nice to get insight into an organization that could be perceived as this sort of uh, really sort of corporate orientated stakeholder value type organization. And yet, obviously, there's a very caring, compassionate and deeply concerned characteristic to the business that you've opened up for us all. Thank you for sharing. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Anyway, thanks very much, Matt, for inviting me. And uh, yeah, all the best, David.